You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. Each week, you'll hear from remarkable guests who have overcome challenges and obstacles to succeed in the face of adversity. By listening to their stories, you'll get practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Welcome to this episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, a podcast all about helping action takers and decision makers like you align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. Hi, I'm your host, Sarah Box, founder and chief vision Sherpa and guide at Sarah Box Coaching and Consulting, where I provide one-to-one coaching services for high-achieving motivated professionals who want to grow personally and professionally. We kind of like to say that we help people with big dreams and busy schedules focus on the essential, eliminate the unnecessary so they can experience success as they define it. And I'll say as a former nonprofit executive director and partner in a consulting firm, I bring more than 35 years of professional and volunteer experience to my work with individuals and organizations across different sectors. One thing I know and I believe without a doubt is that we are each capable of so much more than we imagine. And I'm committed to growing and living a life with no labels, no limits, and no excuses. And I'm here to tell you that the life you want is possible with the right support, mindset, and strategy. And on today's podcast, we are joined by Nancy Lynn. What if I told you that as a young child, that the people you'd been talking to, so your playmates, the, you know, the people you connected with, were actually only visible to you? Well, think about that because that's something that Nancy has been able to do is to communicate with the spiritual world since early in her childhood. And instead of being freaked out or hiding her gifts, she's actually devoted her life to assisting others with their communication, their spiritual growth, and their connections. So she's a medium, and as a medium, she offers information that guides people in overcoming obstacles and or issues that they're currently working on. She has this access to infinite sources of information, and she has the ability to communicate clear messages to help people know their strengths, their weaknesses, and how the spiritual world is actually communicating with them. She gives people a greater understanding of what's going on in their life, and as important, if not more so, gives them the ability to make informed decision to positively affect their own future. So today we're going to chat and we're going to learn about how Nancy first learned of her gifts, what happened next, how she helps people, so what does she do and what's it like to work with her, how she differentiates between her own thoughts and the messages she receives, because that's important thing for folks who do the work that Nancy does is to know what she's receiving and know the difference between that and what she might be thinking and how she decides what to share and where her information comes from. 
So she's actually going to reveal some of the doubts of her own that she had to overcome, what she's learned after doing so many sessions. So things like what she's most often asked for from the folks she helps, any common themes in messaging, and then what are the common misunderstandings or perceptions of people like us who don't have maybe a clue about what mediums do? So she's going to share some real life examples. And I just know this is going to be a great conversation. Nancy and I've had a chance to talk before a couple of times and um, I enjoy her and I know you will too. So hi, Nancy. It's great to have you back on the podcast. Hi, Sarah. It's great to be back. So for folks who aren't listening, we recorded a podcast and this has its own backstory to it. And it was a great, it was really a great episode, even if only in our own minds. And I have been doing, well, now we've got more than 150 podcasts out there. And never before has this happened to me that we record, I save the recording, I go to find the recording. And the only thing there is part, part, the last like eight minutes of the audio, not the visual or anything. So I blame Nancy and the <laughs> connections. Um, she's She was willing to say, hmm, it doesn't really happen very often, but it's not abnormal. So anyway, before we really get into this too much further, Nancy, I want to ask you, um, is there something that you do daily or on a regular basis that keeps you focused on your own big goals? Gratitude. Every morning, I get up, grab my coffee, and just be grateful. And sometimes it's the same things I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for each day that I wake up, even though there's health-wise, there's nothing wrong. But I'm, I'm grateful that I have another day. Um, and then I start listing off a lot of things that I'm grateful for. And as I'm doing it, I'm putting a, a smile on my face because it's an appreciation for my life, for what I have in that particular moment in time, which keeps me in that moment in time. So it both it helps to ground you and helps to get your head in the right space too, yes? Mm -hmm. That's one thing I teach. I uh, do run some development classes, and that's one thing I teach the students there is that if you stay in the moment is when you can pick up the messages that are either coming from your guides or from your loved ones because you can't do it by being in the past and you can't do it by projecting towards the future, but you have to be in the moment that you're living in. Okay, so I'm going to um, actually follow that thread a little bit, if you'll stay with me on this. So how do I know if I'm in the moment that I'm not just hearing my own stuff, but or my own self-talk, that kind of thing, but I'm actually getting messages or information from my guides and spirit guides? Are there clues I might recognize? Yeah, being in the moment doesn't mean you might not think about the fact that you have to do something or prepare something, but it's appreciating, let's say you go outside and you look at the flowers or that your concrete, your sidewalk looks really good because you appreciate it. You're in the moment. What I find then 
is that there's certain signs they bring into my being to make me aware of maybe the progression of what it is I might be thinking about. My mind isn't totally blank when I'm in the moment, but like a butterfly will, will fly in, okay? Which is um, transformation. So something that I'm either working on or thinking about needs some tweaking. It needs to be transformed somehow to be successful or maybe to go in a different direction. So, and it's not that I am highly alert every second that I take a walk. I'm trying to be more in peace, not particularly meditation, but that's sort of the closest I get to it in the shower. Though I'm really just trying to be observant because when I am, I seem to get little clues here and there. And that, like you just said, you can't be present and be in the future worrying about stuff or in the past worrying about that or trying to fix it. So it does allow you to see what's in your environment. And they will bring it in. There's only a limited amount here in the state that we're in that they can bring in, meaning it's not like, I hope I have a mountain lion that comes, you know, to my front door or anything, you know, but uh, they, they'll bring in birds and, and insects and I'll look up and I will see like three hawks and hawks is the messenger of God. So something that I have inquired about I'm going to get the answer to it or some kind of resolution is going to happen. And as I said, it's not the entire time that I'm walking or, or just even standing there or sitting there. It's just being observant. And that's where I find messages come in. Now that isn't particularly tuning into a loved one or from your guides, but spirits kind of bring them in. So you'll notice them. And I'm very attuned to animal messages and what they mean. So quickly, that's something I will will take with me very quickly. So let's do a couple things, because I know from talking to you before that this has a lot of background in it. It's not like one day you just popped open and said, oh, I get this stuff. There's a whole history for you. So first, I'm going to ask you to start with the definition because I just introduced you as a medium, but I'm wondering if you can tell me, is there a difference between a medium and a psychic? Because sometimes I think folks wonder that and um, might be confused. So I want to understand or have a shared language with you about what we're talking about. Excellent question you brought up. And a lot of people do ask, and if they don't, I provide it for them because I think it's imperative that they know the the differential between it. Every medium is also psychic, but not every psychic is a medium. And let me give you an example to give you the best sort of way that that one can decipher between the two. When you come in, when when I'm working with a client, you have an energy field around you which people term an aura, okay? Do I see them real rarely? Whole another subject. But it has 
energies that the body can pick up and they can feel. So let's say you walked in really wanting to hear about your grandmother and the cherry pie that she always made. Okay. And your memory of that cherry pie was that wonderful smell that you smelled when you walked in her house. So you, you would you were to sit in front of me and I pick up on that wonderful memory that you have with your grandmother and the, the cherry pie and the connection to her, because this is in your memory energy of that person. And, and there's a rhyme and a reason to be going mediumship and, and psychic. And I'll get to that in a second. So if I come at you in a mediumship, which is a tinge of a higher vibration than I'm at, what I would get is I would connect into your grandmother. She would begin to talk about the cherry pie because she already knows that's really important to you. So she comes in and begins to talk about it. But what she starts talking to me about is how you would help her make it and get flour all over your face because that is her beautiful memory of the cherry pie. So either way you would connect with it, either way it would be a beautiful feeling. Now, in as far as talking to your relatives, I adore that. I love to. And why I do is a lot of people say, not to me, but I've heard them say, if I could just have one more day of talking to my relative. And what I try to do is somewhat not just get evidentiary things that the grandmother is telling me, but also her personality and the connection that you had to it. So you actually feel like you are personally, which you are, connected in with the energy of your mother. So at that point in time, if there was anything unresolved or there was any sort of beautiful thought or direction that she could give you, it could be done at that point in time. Let's say you wanted to know um, some special ingredient, and I've gotten this on a few readings, that you just couldn't make those cherry pies like she did. You just couldn't. And why? Because she really cut back just a little bit on the sugar, but didn't write it on the recipe. Okay? So she will tell me you need her to play with the sugar and cut back a little. So that's something that's, that's very special that she would come in and say insofar as that. Psychically, People want to know more about the future, and it's not that the loved ones won't talk about it, because they will, okay? But you can get more focus when you're in the person's energy, and as we're talking, you're kind of seeing that I'm moving my hands in. There's a reason for that. Psychically, you're going straight forward in your energy towards the person. You don't change positions, but that's how the energy base goes. When you're, for me, and I can only speak for me, in mediumship, I'm going out on both sides. So when I'm going in towards the person, I can see that in their energy field, they have a change coming, or they've got a connection with somebody with a partner, or they have something that's going to run up high. 
So I can see those things. Now, a loved one can state the fact of a little bit more information to that. So when I do readings, I use a combination of both. I stay with the loved ones in the beginning because it's a higher energy vibration and then sort of slide into the psychic stuff as I progress near the end. Now, is that most common, do you think? Or do you think, are there folks who only do like the psychic, but not the medium? Uh, There's, I don't know a percent, but a psychic person usually is just psychic and a medium, a person that does mediumship will usually state the fact that they're a medium. And with a mediumship, they also have that psychic part. So whether or not they choose to share that or develop that or whatever, it may be individual to that in person. Correct statement. I, okay. I can't make a judgment on the thing. I just know that there's a difference between it and they both have a use. Okay. So let me ask you, has it been fun having this ability? A lot of fun when I was young because I had my invisible friend Not so fun when I got into my teens and my 20s because I thought I was going nuts. And Nancy, talk about that. What would make you think you were going nuts? Were you picking up stuff from people that no one else saw? Or like, what made you think that about yourself? I'd hear voices. Uh, (laughs) I'll never forget. This was quite a while later. This was, I think I was 32 and I went to a psychiatrist and I filled out the form really honestly, okay? I'll get back to your question in a second because it is very pertinent. And I, I filled it out, very, very long questionnaire. And one of the questions was, do you hear voices? Check mark, yes. You know? <laughs> do you occasionally see images? Check mark, yes, you know? And then after I turned it in, should have thought about it before, I'm, I'm thinking this guy is going to think I'm really nuts. And at that point in time, I was in a really decent position in a Fortune 500 company. And I'm thinking probably should not have done that. And we get to talking. He calls me up and he says, just to verify that I meant to check yes on these few things. <laughs> and so. He said, uh, I don't even remember whether he asked me one other question. And he said, you know, a normal interpretation for this would be schizophrenic. And he said, but I, I don't quite think you're there. Long and short, he ended up being, even though he had no openings, he ended up being my psychiatrist. When I walked in, he had a crystal ball on his desk. So I knew I was in the right place. So, and I think everybody so often needs a tune-up. So I would go about every six months and see him for a few years and check out things because it's overwhelming. At that point in time, I was starting to tune into my past lives and I'm starting to think, am I really going crazy now? Because there was not people there to talk to And I started doubting that something, a screw wasn't quite loose. And I, God knows I didn't want to talk to anybody about this. 
and really have them think I was nutsoid. And, you know, I'd, I'd know things. I'd know the grade I was going to get on the test. I'd be able to, to, to know somebody was standing there when I had called them but didn't pick up the phone. And not yet having a filter, you know, I talked to my boyfriend later, he'd call or something. And I said, well, why didn't you pick up the phone at six? And he'd say, um, I wasn't around. I said, you were standing right by the phone with your pop in your hand. Whoa. <laughs> you know, so, you know, it was little things like this. And when people had that look of like intense fear, okay, is when I realized I needed to, or some look, a bit inquisitive okay but it was usually a oh my god that's when I decided that this was not normal and I needed to be quiet if I didn't experience it or hear it I never should be responding I was having a real hard time discerning between was I hearing it from your mind or was I hearing it through your my ears so especially as a young person, that would be a tough transition to be making at a time when people weren't necessarily as open as they are today about the conversations. There was nobody to talk to. Yeah. So that would be I, pretty isolating. I remember I was nine or 10 and my, uh, we were at um, home and my mom asked me where my brother was. And I said, and it's a pivotal time because I remember her reaction. I remember then my personal reaction to it. And I said, oh, he's in the cornfield smoking. Now, at that point in time, my brother was probably 13. And maybe 14, don't know. But so he comes home at some particular point in time. My mom asked him where he was. I don't know what he says. And he said, uh, she says, you sure you weren't in the cornfield smoking? He yells at me saying that, that I must have followed him. And my mom's response was, she's been here all day. She hasn't left. And my mom looked at me in kind of a horror thing, you know, not like a horrifying movie, but just sort of gasping sort of thing like how did you really know that when she kind of thought I haven't left the house so that's when I realized I had to begin to be careful I really did and that my parents didn't quite understand this and gosh knows I didn't so when did you decide you know because clearly you are no longer careful or quiet about this gift that you have so when did you make that transition? Here you are in a corporate Fortune 500 company, corporate position, moving up the ladder, and then you're doing this. So what happened? How did you make that transition? And more precisely, what did you have to like, what barriers or um, self-talk did you have to get through to allow yourself to step into that? Well, we'll first start with when the... I was sort of toying around more with sort of getting a new age store and having somebody else sort of run it day to day. I'd be on there on the weekend and still exist in the corporate 500. 
as this as additional income. So at different times from 97 to 2013, I had different ways that I was going to uh, look at coming out or doing stuff. And so across those, you know, years, those, those uh, 16 years, I finally came out to actively be doing it in 2013. So what were some of the ways that you tried? So you already talked about wanting to do kind of a, a bookstore. Were you talking about like, like metaphysical bookstore type thing? It was, I was going to create one. It was going to be a very small one with books and, and some um, trinkets in a town that didn't have it at all. So I thought, well, you know, it, we'll start small and then we'll, we'll increase. Again, in... 2001, I have now moved. Now, in between there, I tried getting some people together that were interested, but that wasn't successful. Tried two different ways. In 2001, I had moved, and there was a couple stores available where I lived that already were established, had been established for over a decade. So it just so happened that they were looking at selling them, both of them. So I went in and the price really wasn't, it, it really didn't fit the, the nice formula it's supposed to an already established business. They literally doubled it. And both of them ended up not selling them because the prices were so outlandish um, and ended up just closing them down. So then in between there, now this is 2001, I now have an establishment and um, on another business that I have, and I decided to incorporate, oh, just on the side, I'll do a few readings. And it became a lot more than just on the side. And at that point, my significant other said, nope, I cannot deal with this. You have to shut it down. Now, was that because of discomfort with the readings? I sort of grow at the fast rate it grew. So at that point in time, I think he became very uncomfortable because he didn't even want to be in the store when these things were happening. So we had a discussion and um, I again cut it out, but then it was so much, and that was in 2005. And I so much, and I had small kids, needed to bring them up. And in 2013, it became so much a part of me. If I don't do it now, I'm not going to do it. I have to do it. And I have to be. At that point, my kids were old enough. And I think that's a lot of consideration, by the way, to your audience out there that have these gifts, but life gets in the way. And when that happens, the responsibility and to me, the commitment and love I had for my kids were more important at that time than, than the love I had inside. And that doesn't mean I didn't love myself, but I'm just saying I had made that commitment to my, my two kids, the two souls. And at that point in time, when I felt like they were at a place where it was comfortable for me now to to follow my chosen path that I came down here for, 
that's when I then went forward and began to do readings again. So your kids are grown now? Well, pretty much so. Pretty much. <laughs> so what do they think of it? Nancy, what do they think about um, your work and do they share any of the gifts? What, what do they think about it? Um, they kind of vacillate over it. You know, they're supportive because they know this is so much my dream. And they've watched me help people and people really appreciative of it. And for that, they feel good. But they're not at a point to be totally comfortable with it. My youngest... There are many times, in fact, in fact, we were just having a talk just a little while ago before I have the pleasure of being on your podcast. And she said, if anybody else was hearing our conversation, they would get verbal whiplash because they wouldn't be able to follow us because we don't say full sentences because we're so connected. I also know when my kids were having a bad day. In fact, the funniest story, she doesn't tell her friends this. Well, yeah, actually she did tell her friends this because it slightly unnerved her. My daughter had never skipped school. And one day her friends finally talked her into skipping school. I have no idea why. I rarely ever text my daughter, maybe once a year, okay? And so I text her, I wouldn't be doing that. And that's a text I, I sent out just when she had said yes to her friends. She looks at the text because, as I said, maybe once a year I send her one. It's usually do good on your test, okay? And she looks at the text and she says, nope, I think I'm going to pass on that one. It's another version of he's been in the cornfield smoking. No, I wouldn't yeah. do that. So. Um, so let me, let's turn this a little bit. I want to ask you, when people come to you, first of all, what is the experience like for them? So right now we're still in the pandemic. Are you doing only remote right now or are you able to see some folks face to face? I'm making the choice and it's for my family to only do remote. So then say someone schedules time with you um, what experience? So like, what do they have to do? What's your prep for it? Do you research all of that stuff? Like, tell me how I would quote unquote on board with you. So from the time I schedule right now, I now have an appointment with you, but I have, I don't know what to expect. What happens? What do I come with? And what's my experience? Really good thought provoking question. I believe, or I hope, that your experience is to get some answers to some of the most important questions that you have. When a person comes in or I've got them on Zoom, I go through some of the things that, that personally I do, meaning you know that uh, some of the things they might experience during the reading, I do an MP3 file, so I'll send them an email of them or yeah, an email of the attachment. And so I go through a little bit of that. As I'm doing that, that's also sort of the open gate to their loved ones to come in. So they usually begin to talk and interrupt as I'm reading that. And that's sort of 
their sort of flag that I'm ready to to do this. And energy wise, I'm I'm going up. I don't. A lot of people don't know what to expect, and I basically um, sometimes ask them if they want a mediumship reading or a psychic reading. <laughs> Excuse me, and then. Um, what I state to them, which I actually uh, don't always, is that, um, you know, the, the, the differential is, is they can really connect with their loved ones or they can more see things that might be coming up, okay? But I usually always put both of them in. Some people just want a psychic one. And sometimes I actually do a card reading. I have all my life never used any tools. So I had to sort of learn cards and then my guide would tell me what they meant. So I'd have an understanding of what it meant. And even like, let's say a butterfly would come down. They would tell me, meaning my guide would tell me they have gone through a major transition and they're in the butterfly stage. They're flying or they're still in the cocoon. They're not ready to break out yet. So she kind of guides me through what position or stage that person is in. And as that's happening, Nancy, are you communicating that to the person that you're um, meeting with? Or, so say it were me, would you be getting that information and then telling me that right away? Or are you trying to put it in context how do you communicate that to me I guess when it's a loved one I repeat everything they're saying and sometimes I don't know or they're not telling me exactly what it is okay so I'm getting a particular let's say symbol and I don't know exactly what it is uh, but I do know that this symbol is something that's of importance to this person. So I was trying to think of, uh, okay, um, there was a, a client that came to me. I don't, I call them clients um, that came to me. And what I saw is a symbol of a casket and the hole was only dug like three feet down and I I did not understand what it was there um, wasn't a tombstone yet to be placed there but there was going to be but all of a sudden I saw people standing around the that particular area and then I feel this tremendous aggression. And all of a sudden, everybody leaves and there's two left. And the loved one uh, that's actually in the casket is showing me this whole little film. And the message was, um, I don't really remember what they say unless somebody actually... Um, feeds it back to me, and this person happened to feed it back to me, and the message was, was it was okay exactly where you placed me. Um, and sort of 
rather than not going into logistics of what, because I, I don't ever talk about specifics or, or anything like that, but there was a mess up and an argument did start at the graveside and only him and his sister were left standing there. But the more important thing was the choice they made, which is theirs, was okay. So you so, communicated that message even though you had no clue what it meant. I had no idea what it meant. And they totally do. And that's what's amazing to me. I do tell all my clients that everybody has skeletons in their closet. I don't open the door. And my guides know this. So I will tend to talk around something that doesn't mean a thing to me, but I am real clear to those people. If they come in, you make sure you use the words that are the clearest to Sarah. So she will understand. Um, and I'm shooting off questions as I'm uh, physically talking to somebody to the spirit. So two things are going simultaneously because either I'm not understanding it or they didn't finish their sentence or people that are quiet, it takes them a while for them to like me. You know, I'll go, come on over here and sit down, darling. You know, and it takes them a while, especially if they're real quiet or they didn't feel real comfortable with this when they were on this plan. And they go, I'm here. I really want to communicate with my daughter, but oh my God, you know, um, I had this uh, woman today and she came right down and sat right next to me. And she goes, my daughter's going to come on soon. And I said, okay. And so her husband comes in, sits down. He's kind of drooling here and he's, keeps wiping his nose with his Kleenex. And so, uh, and there was quite a number of other things, but the lady recognized him right away and a smile came on her face. And that was so pleasant because she knew then they were there for her. And that initial peacefulness, whether it's a smile or whether it's tears, and I always have my Kleenex, I can't do it on zoom you know or, or any remote thing but when i have clients here i always have my kleenex somewhat next to me you know and um and that isn't my goal and objective my goal and objective is to release any energy that wouldn't be in the positive that 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 needs to sort of be let go so you know it's interesting is I, it's good to know the process you go through and what you do. Do you do any prep? So say I schedule with you, do you research me? Do you do any prep before? I, what do you know about me before I come on as a client? Nothing. I have never, ever done prep. And I think I learned my lesson early on. I had this uh, friend, uh, this, this, this friend of mine referred her friend to me and started telling me this stuff. And I go, no, 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 you know, but you know, I'm, I'm in the beginning. I want a little bit of confidence, you know, I'm going, ah, okay, okay. You know, so all of a sudden I started saying these things cause I thought they fit. It's like, I went into my mind instead of the energy. I go, no, I can't relate to this. No, I can't relate to this. And I'm like, no. And as far as the internet, a lot of times I don't even know your last name. 
you know, I just put whatever somebody's first name is and that's it. And um, I don't want to research it. I don't want it to be muddy. And my repeating clients and in repeating, I do ask for somebody to wait at least three, three months before they rebook. And why? Because something will have probably changed in three months. The ideal is six months because people that are making large changes, that change will usually come through. And if it hasn't by then or some kind of change, I can tie into some kind of block that the loved one says is there why this change didn't come in. Um, so as far as the readings that I told you before that I record, I only keep it for two weeks. So I, I never have listened to a recording from a repeating customer because that would really confuse me. I don't remember readings. So I don't want to have to remember anything on a reading. Tired of feeling stuck and ending with the same result? Want to know how Sarah can help you with one-on-one -on -one or organizational coaching? Then book your free discovery call at sarahbox.com forward slash contact. Now back to the show. That's a lot of information anyway. You know, you think about all the people who talk to you like spirit world, real world, kids, business. That's just a lot of chatter. So I can't imagine intentionally going back and wanting to re-listen to anything since it's going on all the time anyway. Um, but is there, I am curious, like, do people come to you for any particular, well, let me, I was going to say for any particular reason, and I'm, I'm certain that there's probably something that's driving each person, but are there themes about what people ask you for more commonly than others? See, I don't ask um, a person up front for a question. I never do. So um, I state to them, if somebody, and this is the beginning of the reading, if somebody you really want to talk to has not arrived, because we stop five minutes early, you know, we can call them, see if they can come in. Or there's a question that's really pressing that they, meaning your loved ones, have not addressed that let's see if we can get any kind of answer. Usually your loved ones are gonna know those questions. I had somebody come in with 17 questions and we hit almost every single one of them. The problem when you make that long a list is I can't get the details. You know, I get just a little bit because of time, you know, and different loved ones will come in to go over or to give advice for different things. Now that doesn't mean I have a whole room full, but if somebody was a great businessman, they'll come in and start talking about that. If, if it pertains to your business, if somebody was really good at finances and let's say you're, you're wavering a little bit, they'll come in and maybe give some advice to how you can get back on track. So I never ask people for their questions up front. I don't ask them why they're here, you know? Um, occasionally, I've had people that have said, I just really need to ask this. And I say, let's say what we can get. And I'll tell you, you had asked something, you did an eloquent way of, of introducing me. I just 
really, really liked in your, your prelude towards it. And I noticed you had said something that, um, not just about reoccurring themes um, of stuff, but the, the fact of sometimes are there certain things that, that the people uh, want, not just particular questions or items. And, and maybe that's one and the same, but people want passwords every so often. And what happens when any medium is confronted with that, it actually brings their energy down. So their clarity of tuning in isn't as sharp. So if somebody says, well, we had a password, we would say to each other after I, or after they pass, not after I pass, but after they pass. And I'll say, well, let's see if we can get it. And sometimes somebody will show me a flower that happened to be a lily was a password. Um, but not every time because it's more for the essence of the person and their personality and your relationship and why I do not like anybody to come in that isn't going to tell me why they came in to help the person. Oh, from the spirit world. Yes, they have to. Thank you for clarifying that. They have to have a reason for coming forward. Not just to say, hi, I, I love you. Um, not that they don't. And I do tell clients that if somebody you loved very deeply did not come in, it doesn't mean they aren't around you. And it doesn't mean they don't love you. It's just the particular things you're thinking of, other ones can address it better. I had a party I did one time, and the lady said that everybody at the party was extremely satisfied but she was a bit disappointed. And I said, why is that? And she said, I wanted my husband to come in. Right then he came in and he said, um, I didn't come in because there was nothing unsaid. We, I loved her, she loved me, we had a beautiful, and so I'm repeating everything he's saying, okay? And she goes, that's true. We didn't have anything unsaid. And he, and he said, I wanted your other loved ones to come in because there was things you needed assistance with now. That's pretty beautiful. Yeah. What have you learned from doing this about yourself, Nancy? I like these mind thinking thoughts. Um, what have I learned? Um, I did really have to learn not to, um, to understand that when somebody cries, it's really a good release and not to feel bad that I made that person cry. But on the flip side of that, once they're at that emotional level, you have to move them back up to a beautiful memory. You can't leave a person ever walking out of your house in a sort of gut-wrenching thing because you've got to be so careful. You're going back to that point of their rawness. And 
they've healed a lot from you're bringing them right back because for whatever reason they might have had something they needed to say or their loved one might have had something they needed to say and it gets said and uh the the tears get released and then you ask for something that was a beautiful or funny usually is what i ask for memory so you can take that person out of that lower energy feeling and bring them right back up so they feel that they have completed not everything but at least something in that relationship with that person that's a very responsible thing to do too right to not um erode someone but to leave them better than they were careful um and that that is a beautiful thing you led right into that my whole focus is to have somebody's energy going out of my home or off of the internet better than it was before it came on i love that i do it is that's really if we all did that whether it was with energy or just our conversations is leaving everybody a little bit better off than when we encountered them think about that you know that's pretty powerful nancy i want to ask you um and i know the answer to this question but i want to ask you to share with our audience for people who want to work with you um and have a session with you what is the best way for folks to learn from you and the work you do and are there any things coming up we should be aware of um between now and the new year that we might take advantage of and get learn more um to get a hold of me is at www.nancy capital o capital t capital e dot com all one o- word right nancy o t e yeah o t e is not my last name it's it stands for opening to enlightenment it's the name of the business so i just put nancy there's no dots in between it's just o t is in tom e is in edward dot com and on there you can read a little bit about me it might be a little bit wordy but you can read a little bit about me um and uh the the readings are there you can uh pick your time your date you need to pay for it first and then pick your time and date um i do do workshops but they're private workshops meaning you would need to host the workshop and then right now it's all remote and so you'd need to get people together and i could do a workshop on auras or on chakras they're beginning workshops for people that really don't know a lot about them and so um and i guarantee in our aura one even remotely you're going to see an aura so um how many people would i need to get together for that because i can imagine that being a question like oh i've got friends or a group how how many people would you put in a workshop minimum and maximum um seven uh is the minimum uh maximum it kind of depends i don't have a maximum but it kind of depends on which one you're going for which one you're interested uh the maximum we've usually done is 20 that way we can have 
personal, you know, relationships with the people in it. Um, there's only a few we can't do remotely, like we do a table tipping, where you actually get to go to the table. We begin the table, okay? And you get to go to the table, and one of your relatives will come up, and I'm the medium on site. So I tell you which relative has come up, and um, then they can ask questions to the relatives and watch a table tip. And it not only tips, it walks. Sometimes it's real. Now, my degree is engineering, right? This table um, went from standing up when, when we do it as a, a group. I do it with these ladies because of COVID, I'm not, but every Monday. And the table would go to a 45 degree angle. Now I'm an engineer. There's no way it can. And just stay there at a 45 degree. Then it go almost down to the bottom and then it come up. It's gone on its top and it slid across the floor. It's kind of neat. Now in the, in the uh, groups that we have, that hasn't happened, but the table's definitely moved and it's definitely walked and it's spun the top off of it. It goes in the other fashion, so the top releases from the bottom. But for your online workshops, that's not a part of it. Oh, no. So I would recommend people go out to www.nancyote.com and look at the details of the workshops and the individual sessions and schedule, meet Nancy, and learn something if that's a fit for you. Because it could be kind of the information that you've been waiting to have or wondering about or closure or even just something new about yourself that you didn't know that's going to take you into the future. Now, what is really cool is you want to go to the tab that says coming soon. Oh, tell us what's on that tab. Well, right now I have arranged for this phenomenal guy. He's world renowned. Uh, he does uh, spirit cards, which the pictures actually get precipitated onto an index card. And on the other side of the index cards are names. He's going to be doing it remote. Um, I'm going to have him on. We do have a limit of 20 people and he's only doing it two times. You can sign up for both times. You'll get two different cards. And he also does a billet reading, which means he's blindfolded. He puts a piece of paper here and he answers your question. He doesn't read your question. He just answers it. That's on your website and the coming up, right? Yeah. So for more information. Correct. And okay. then I also have another gentleman. Um, we're in the final stages. So you got to stay on this coming up. He's also world renowned. Um, and he, he, he does not live in the USA, and he's going to do a workshop. So um, I'm really excited about that, that also. So, um, but you want to stay tuned on there um, and see what's available and what's coming up. I don't have, uh, um, let me see. I've got those two and a third one I'm working on. And then I might do a remote spirit fest in April. 
Very cool. So, but we can find out if, as long as we stay connected to you and your website, it's easy for us to check back or get on your mailing list so that you can let us know when it's time to know something, right? Correct. Nancy, I want to thank you so much for coming back, actually for having a totally different interview with me than we did the first time. And when we end this, I've got my fingers crossed that the recording is where it always is in its appropriate folder so that I can produce it and put it on the podcast. And I'm glad we got to have another interview, different, different topic and, you know, similar topic, but different stories and just as enjoyable. And I'm excited for our listening audience to learn about you and from you. And I'm really hoping everybody takes a piece of this and applies your lessons to their own life. And I, and even if, not even if, but even if the place to start is just thinking about being more present and leaving people in a little bit better space than you encounter them, regardless of what's going on with you, you know, just thinking, okay, what might I do to lift this person up a bit? Every single day. I would pay for my toll and I'd pay for the persons behind me and um, just have the toll booth thing say, have a good day. And it just, that random act of kindness is so important. I mean, just so important. It is. So let's leave it there because I couldn't agree with you anymore, Nancy. Okay, my friend, I will be back in touch with you um, soon. And again, just thank you so much for sharing yourself and your time. Thank you. It was wonderful being with you again. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.